the spendthrift trust and the demand note. I tell you what, uh, as I've been uh, teaching people how they can significantly reduce their taxes and get 100% lawsuit provided protection, the demand note seems to be an area that people don't understand as well as maybe they, they understand the other parts of the spendthrift trust and the tax strategies. So I decided to do a, a separate training about this. That way you understand 100% how this works. But first, as always, I have to render into Caesar what is Caesar's, in this case, the attorneys, and disclaim and give you a disclaimer that I'm not a licensed tax or legal advisor. I don't give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, and accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction. So let's go over what we're going to cover today. I'm going to review with you briefly the trust strategy. I mean, honestly, I have other trainings and presentations I've done about this more in depth, but I'll just touch upon it here. I'll talk to you how you sell your assets to the trust, how we create the demand note, and how you can withdraw money from the demand note tax-free, which is pretty exciting, I would think, right? So let's talk about the asset protection first. So the spendthrift provision of the trust gives you 100% lawsuit-proof asset protection. Now, that does not mean that no one can sue you. It just means that the lawsuit won't go anywhere, uh, provided that you, you know, the, the spendthrift trust has been set up properly, which it will be with our attorneys. So uh, the second of all, uh, this strategy, this trust gives massive tax reduction. It's all legal. Right. So there's no capital gains, tax events, any passive income that comes into the trust is not taxable. And an LLC that works in conjunction with this trust can save a ridiculously large amount of money in taxes, as much as 90 percent or more. So um, let's talk about why this is possible. First of all, this is an irre irrevocable trust. That means that assets must be sold into the trust. That's hugely important is this the strategy only works is if these these uh, assets that you sell into the trust are completely 100 percent irrevocably the trust property after the sale. Right. You can't use this trust as a holding pen to move assets in and out. That's why I hate the word transfer. People say, well, when do I transfer my assets? You never transfer them. You sell them into the trust. OK, so that's a very important point that needs to be in your head. Right. So let's talk about now how you can sell your personal assets to the trust. Uh, it's it's very easy. It sounds hard, but it's not. OK, so what we're going to do here is we're going to establish the sales price to the trust. Okay, it's very important that we price this the right way because we don't want to avoid any, we want to avoid any capital gains tax uh, triggering moment if we get a little too greedy and sell these things for a profit. So basically, as a, as a general rule, remember this formula: whatever price you acquired an asset at, if you took depreciation. In any way, shape, or form on your taxes. You have to subtract the depreciation. But if you made any, any improvements, then you all then you move that up, whatever the price the improvements were, and that is the amount that's going to be the sales price of your asset into the trust. Now you do a bill of sale. Okay. So uh, now the bill of sale itself is not recorded, but it is kept in your trust book. 
Okay, that's where all your trust documents are going to be. And like I mentioned earlier, we definitely want to avoid triggering a capital gains tax event. So therefore, we are not selling these assets to the trust, you know, for a profit. It's going to be either at what we acquired it at or below, depending if you took any depreciation or not, like I explained. Now, if it's real property, then you're in addition to a bill of sale, there's also going to be a warranty deed or a special warranty deed or a quick claim deed. And so understand that as well, because obviously in real estate invest and real estate in general, property does not change hands. Ownership, the ownership doesn't change unless there is some kind of a deed that is served or created. All right. So the next thing you want to do is I know because a lot of people are asking, it's like, well, Don, what happens if I have a mortgage on my house? What happens if my vehicles have finance on them? That's that's no problem. Okay, If there's financing, then you're also going to do an assignment of note for the trust. And what that means is that the trust is obligated to make all of the payments and because the payments are trust expense. Remember that about the trust. Any assets. Anything that has to do with an asset, any expense, whatever is a trust expense, the trust pays for it. Okay, it also pays for a majority of the expenses for the beneficiaries, but we'll, we'll cover that in a different in a different video. So remember that whenever you have any kind of a sale, there has to be consideration. And when I mean when I say consideration, I don't mean that you want to be a considerate, polite person. I mean that there has to be something of value given in exchange for the goods or services that are being exchanged, right? So in this situation, the trust is not going to give you any money, but it is gonna give you a note. Now, if you are a real estate investor, you're familiar with this concept. I've done this before where I've had a, a homeowner who's owned uh, his property, in this case, it was a man, his property uh, free and clear, there was no mortgage on it, and he just wanted to get the payments. So we worked out an agreement to where I did not pay him a dime, all I did was cover the closing costs of the transaction. And then um, in exchange for this, he gave me a note basically called seller financing where I made payments to him every month. Now, this is a little bit different. We're not the trust is going to make you payments every month. You can just you can just uh, withdraw whenever you want them. But the, pro the, the point is, is that this is a note. It's like an IOU. It's like a seller financing mortgage. Basically, there's an official document that says the trust owes you whatever the value is placed on the demand note for the assets that you've sold into the trust. Okay, so let's go here and just to review how this works. So the cost basis, cost value basis is the pricing strategy that you use to decide or to ascertain what the value is going to be on the note, which again, whatever you originally acquired the asset at, minus any depreciation you may have taken, uh, you know, uh, if it's especially for real estate, that's important. And then if you added, if you made any improvements, like say you put a pool in, for, then that means that uh, that's going to raise that up by the price of the improvements. If you have financing on it, then you have the the cost price, whatever you figured it out it was going to be. Then you subtract whatever the uh, financing amount is, and whatever the note, whatever the equity is, that's the note value when you when you are uh, selling that, that asset to the trust. Of course. That means the trust owes you that amount. If there's financing on it, whatever the equity is, if it's free and clear, whatever the cost basis price you determine, that is the amount that's gonna be on the note that the trust is gonna owe you. So for example, let's talk about, let's say that you have a uh, $500,000, uh, you know, you, you have a property that say it's worth, um, 
you know, it's uh, let's just say right now you you bought it. You originally bought it at five hundred thousand dollars. OK. And you took fifty thousand dollars depreciation. And then let's say you put a pool in. So now you you raise that to twenty twenty uh, twenty five thousand dollars. So now your cost basis price is four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Now it has a two hundred thousand dollars mortgage on it balance. So you're going to subtract the two hundred thousand dollars from the four seventy five, and that's going to mean that means the trust is going to owe you two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars for the sale, right? Because that's the equity, that's the real value of what is being sold to the trust. And let's talk about that. That pretty much takes care of your of your personal assets, right? Let's talk about business assets. Now, listen, it, it's pretty much the same procedure as you do as you follow in your personal assets. There's just a, a small difference. So we're gonna go over this briefly. Um, we're adding a different step here. So you do the same cost basis formula, whatever you acquired it at, minus depreciation, and you add on the price of any improvements you made. But here's the, here's the little wrinkle, okay? This is gonna be sold to you personally first. So if you have an LLC, and it sells its assets to the, you know, it's going to get to the trust, but it's going to go through you first, right? So now the LLC sells the assets to you personally. And then when it becomes your asset, and again, it's not, it's not a capital gains event. And then you just turn around and sell it to the trust, the same procedures you did for your personal assets. And again, we're going to go over here and show you why. Same example. You know, if we've already determined that uh, the the um, five hundred thousand was the acquisition price minus the fifty thousand dollars you took on depreciation previously, and you added a pool for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that means that the uh, price to the trust is going to be four seventy five, and of course it has a two hundred thousand dollars mortgage balance on it. So minus the two hundred thousand, that means that twenty two hundred seventy five thousand dollars is the amount of the uh, it's the, it's the value that's going to be attached to the to the note. Okay, so um, you repeat this for every asset that you have, right? The master bill of sale is going to have every single the the the, the, the dollar net dollar amount for every single asset you're selling to the trust. The demand note is created, so now the trust owes you the amount total amount on the demand note as trustee. Or, or as the person who sold the properties to the trust, the assets, then you can pull cash from the demand note. I mean, just obviously the trust has to have enough money in the, in the bank account to cover it. But these withdrawals are not considered a tax event. So you can do this and, uh, you know, not pay taxes on it. And so the reason why when we transferred your business assets over or sold them to you first and then you sold them to the trust is because, you want to get the demand note. You want the demand note made out to you personally, so that way you can do exactly what we're talking about here, which is to be able to withdraw money from these uh, from the demand note that's being created by your personal and your business accounts. Okay, and then uh, so every time you withdraw money, the the demand note is reduced. For example, let's say that you have a total of eight hundred thousand dollars as your demand note, and you you withdraw three uh, thirty thousand dollars. Then your demand note is reduced and it's now at 700 and uh, actually that's wrong. It should be $770,000. I apologize for that error. I was not a math major in college. So every time you sell a new asset to the trust, then the demand note increases, right? Which is kind of cool. So that way you can just uh, prime that pump. Now, 
Why do we do this? Well, first of all, the trust you know, can pay for a lot for beneficiaries, but it can't pay for everything. For example, the three Fs. And the three Fs are food, fashion, and fun. So for, for the beneficiaries, you know, yourself, you, you know, as trustee, you cannot pay for food, fashion, and fun. That's kind of a, of a, of a bummer, but just the way it is. So let's talk about food, groceries, you go to a restaurant, anything having to do with that, uh, that, that is not a trust expense for the adult beneficiaries of the trust. However, you can, the trust can pay for food for any minor beneficiaries, or if you have a disabled beneficiary, then as, as adults, they can also get the, tr the trust can also pay for any any uh, expenses having to do with food for them. All right. So let's talk about fashion. I would say clothing is, um, you know, this is a trust expense for minor beneficiaries and for disabled beneficiaries. Uh, if you're 21 or older as a beneficiary, then, you know, trust cannot pay for fashion, clothing, that kind of stuff. And of course, finally, fun. Anything having to do with fun uh, is not a uh, a trust expense for anybody, including the minor minor beneficiaries, uh, unless you can relate directly relate to business to the trust. That's that's really what how it goes there. So the reason why we do the demand note is that if you can't pay for food, fashion, and fun, remember you have a demand note that's just sitting there that you can pull from the trust. You can take withdraw from the trust. It's tax-free money for you, and that can be the best way to pay for food, fashion, and fun. That's one of the reasons why this demand note is so important and why you need to understand it, all right? So it's amazing. Listen, as someone who has a trust, it's great. I mean, I, I look at myself here, you know, head bowed down and, you know, depressed because, you know, all this stuff previously I was paying for with post-tax dollars which of course sucks, right? <laughs> but now, now you can pay for most of, of what your life expenses are with tax-free dollars. Because remember, the trust, you know, the money coming in the trust is passive income. You know, it's not going to be, it's not considered a taxable event when you as a trustee declares that to be an extraordinary dividend for the trust. That money stays in the trust account. It's not distributed to the beneficiaries. In accordance with IRS code 643, that money's in your trust. So basically, whenever you're paying trust expenses, that's being paid for money that's not been taxed, which is pretty darn awesome. OK, so I want you to reach out to me and we can do We can do a free strategy session. I'll go over and, and you tell me about your situation and I'll show you how much you can save. And remember, as a almost like a bonus, you get, you know, lawsuit proof asset protection as well. That just comes with the Spencer provision, this trust. Remember, this trust is called a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spendthrift trust. All five components of this trust work to get you incredible tax savings, legal tax savings, and unbeatable asset protection. I want to thank you for watching this video. I'm thankful that you took action to find out more about this, and I'm looking forward to talking with you to show you how much you can save and how much you can and how you can save your assets. Thanks.